You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 14 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by our social media manager. It is James Healy. Hello, James. How are you? Hi, Ian. Not too bad. How are you? Well, I'm certainly back and better for the uh, for the return of football. Um, I managed to catch a game at the weekend. Um, never has there been so much interest in the Wiltshire Senior League, um, but it was a, it was the perfect opportunity to return to my old stomping ground at Melksham Town, where um, Melksham Reserves took on um, um, Devizes Town Reserves. And whilst the outcome may not have been a great deal different from that of the first team, it was nice to see a Mel- uh, it was, I nearly said a Melksham goal. It was nice to see a Devizes goal. So that was nice. But I think that the most important thing really was an opportunity to catch up with so many friendly faces, both sort of old and new, both from Melksham Town. I, I saw Richard Fay. Of course, we'd had him on the podcast not not that long ago. Saw Darren Perrin, the chairman at Melksham, and he was a regular um, on the podcast back in back in the day when they were a Western League side and um, and obviously some new friends um, since uh, since my big money moved to Devizes Town as well. So it just goes to show that, you know, it's the social um, aspects of football as much as the quality on offer on the pitch that are important to us. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, living in Bristol, um, I couldn't attend any games. So following on social media for me last week, um, which is quite nice though, because I've missed even just following games on social media. It's... Uh, it's nice to get back into the swing of it, and fingers crossed, we'll be fully back into the swing of it soon. Yes, hope. Um, yeah, we hope so. I mean, you, you know, you are raising an interesting point about the, you know, the um, the clubs find themselves in in tier three. You know, not just of course in the city of Bristol, but in South Gloucestershire and in North Somerset as as well. And of course, the restrictions, you know, on travel in particular, as well as the close. And behind closed doors restrictions are obviously making it really difficult for fans like yourself um, to get back to watch um, uh, football. But I mean, we 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 saw a bit of light at the end of the tunnel this week with the announcement from the from the Western League that um, competitive action is due to return on December the nineteenth. I'm I'm sure you, like all of our um, Bristol-based fans, will be particularly interested to know how that's going to work, um, particularly in, in the current um, system. So I thought that the best thing we could do is start this week's podcast by um, by speaking to John Paul, the chairman of the Toolstation Western League, and asking him what was the thinking um, behind the decision to um, return to competitive action on December the 19th. Yeah, if you, uh, if you recall, I mentioned to you, uh, I think the last time we spoke, that um, there was a meeting that had been arranged for, as it was last Tuesday, which was really all the chairman of the 17 leagues across the country. Um, the reason for that is because, obviously, there, there's, there's numerous problems throughout. Um, and it was felt that, if it was just the chairman, there was the opportunity um, to go back to our representative on the lease committee and start to pose some of the questions as regards to what you know what the FA had in mind going forward. Really, without going into too much detail, what came out of that meeting because it was a very good meeting and it gave everybody the opportunity to be able to sort of explain their particular circumstances. Really, and what was apparent was the fact that. You had um, leagues that, by varying degrees, had bigger problems than others. I mean, I think it's, it's sort of become common knowledge now that if you go up into the north of England, then 
we're all in tier three. They're struggling to play any games. It's, some have actually played a few games by mutual agreement and such like, but the general consensus is, as was agreed right from the start, there were, there were no football will be played here at our level behind closed doors. So whilst the meeting sort of you know, highlighted all these different um, different issues throughout, when the meeting finished, I knew what our position was and what stance we'd taken. But I still felt there were nine leagues, believe it or not, that were still, by one means or another, still playing football or attempting to play football, so I say. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, once we made our decision, um, would it not be prudent for us to at least have another chat and maybe with Christmas coming up, the opportunity which which we all know from a club perspective is is is, is a chance that you've got to to look at some serious revenue. Um, should we not, you know, have a, a discussion around that? So that meeting took place on Monday morning. It's where we are now. We had a really good meeting on Monday morning because I, I, I think it's fair to say that that we cover pretty much every angle going with regards to what was doable and what wasn't. And I think the way that we've rolled it out, you know, it's, it's given clubs a clear indication that that we want, you know, we want to get football up and running again. Um, certainly, the feedback we've had from a number of clubs, and I won't say all, but a number of clubs, that they feel that that you know that is what they want. I think it goes without saying that. I mean, if you're playing friendlies, then surely you know you you, you want to be looking to play you know competitive football again. Um, so coupling all that together. Um, that was where we are, um, that's, that, and that, that is how it all came about. So obviously, we have um, we have quite a few sides in Tier Three, and for anybody who's living um, in Tier Three or involved with the club in Tier Three at the moment, what what well, what is the situation there for those clubs that at the moment are having to play behind closed doors? It, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of make this clear. If two Tier Three clubs decided that they want to go ahead and play a competitive match then from a league's perspective, we would have no problem at all. I mean, you've got to bear in mind, and I don't think this should, this should be overlooked, that all the risk assessments that were presented to us, right, made it very, very clear that all the clubs had made every effort to do everything that was asked. So, to all intents and purposes, anybody travelling in and out, right, should be going into a safe environment. And I think it's fair to say that. So therefore, to answer your question, if two tier three clubs wanted to agree to play, then that would be acceptable. But it would have to be behind closed doors. And, and you know, I think everybody's aware that that's what tier three represents. I'll repeat it again. There is an exemption, right, for players to travel in and out. If a tier three club wanted to play a tier two club and could get agreement, then again, we would have no, um, no objections to that at all. That is the situation with regards to Tier 3. We could not, we would not necessarily be pushing to see Tier 3 clubs um, involved in, in, in what we've rolled out um, because, quite simply, there was that agreement that they wouldn't play behind closed doors. Um, so the option's there for Tier 3 to play. For, in Tier 2, the, the challenges, are, um, the circumstances are still quite challenging at the moment, aren't they? Particularly with restrictions on, on club houses. I mean, what, what do you, what, what's your message to, to those teams who might be worried about sort of dwindling attendances over the winter months? 
It's a difficult one, Ian, to be quite honest. I mean, I, I think I think the view that that, that is is shared by the board at the moment is is there's a there's a better chance of creating revenue by playing football than not. Um, I mean, granted, some of the smaller clubs, you know, when I say smaller clubs, without being disrespectful, probably could mothball what they got um, and not really take a major hit. But there are others who are very much a part of a community that will rely very much on revenue coming in and out of that club, and and, and that sometimes is, is is around football, not just football. They're the ones that, at the moment, you know, are, are probably feeling, yeah, feeling the pinch more than more than most. But yeah, you're out repeating. I think with with regards to to clubs that that have entertained friendlies. I understand that we get bits and pieces fed back to us, obviously, about you know what the thoughts of players are and such like. And I think they got a big part of playing all this as well. You know, because when we had that discussion, and I, and I will, you know, I will put this out there. That discussion did not include when we talked about viability of staging games. That did not include playing budgets. And I, I can make it clear now, on behalf of the league, that we are not prepared to have conversations about viability and include playing budgets in that conversation. What we're into is, is, is being able to stage games of football. Tier two, we think is doable, especially if we can get around this, you know, this hurdle of T-huts. Um, and I think that's beginning to ease. I mean, certain local authorities now seem to be allowing it to go ahead. We've encouraged clubs to contact local authorities, you know, to allow... Well, just to see what their own personal circumstances are. Um, unfortunately, some have been, you know, been getting told quite clearly that, that it's acceptable. I think you're aware that, that there's work going on with regards to some of the other local authorities to try to get them to, to ease up a bit. But, I mean, when you've got the opportunity to, to have crowds in the ground, then I think you've got an opportunity to generate revenue. One final question for you, John. I understand that the FA have extended this season until the end of May. Um, do you think that we will need an extension into June if we're going to complete this season on the pitch? Well, one of the questions that was posed was just that. There was a bit of a contradiction there, really, because they, they, they came out and said straight away that they'd extend it to May. Um, May the 28th, I think it was. And then um, they did say that, if necessary, they may consider going into June. And that's as much as I know. I think it'd be something they, they would they would really work hard to avoid simply because the FA competitions, namely the you know, what is relevant to us, the force, um and you know, I'll say the trophy as well, they're hell bent on trying to complete those. But they have to get Wembley has to be handed over um at the end of May. So with playoffs included, I think they would they would desperately like to complete in the month of May, but I think that might be the government. They found they couldn't. If they couldn't implement the playoffs in particular. Then I think they probably may creep into June. Whether they, that would that would apply to us or not, I don't know. You know, I I think is you go back to one of the surveys that were done when you know they they were asking um, about. Conclusions of the season, points per game, blah blah blah, and there was a figure being abandoned around about seventy seventy five percent of fixtures would allow them to be able to do just that. So whether whether that's that's in their minds as well, uh, no idea.
uh, I think that at the moment, from our point of view, we're going to try to endeavour to get games up and running again with a view to trying to complete the season. Just to make the point, one of the conversations that, that, that went on at, at length, and, and I firmly believe this, if, if I, perhaps not so much if I'm in a promotion position, although that's important, but if I'm in a relegation position, I'd like to, be, I'd like to have a say in whether I end up at the end of the season in that position or not. And at the moment, our view is that football will start again. And I think if I'm in a relegation position, I'd like to have a take on yeah, exactly where I where I finish the season. And my thanks to John for his time. Now, this um, week's podcast, fortunately, we're actually talking about some football. You'll be pleased to know. Um, it's uh, it's the FA Vars um, that's um, that's caught our attention uh, because that's the games that were played on um, on December the 5th. Um, we've got um, five match highlights um, to bring you. Two interviews. We should be hearing from the new manager of Cheddar, Craig Morford, and uh, also um, Paul Froud from Buckland Athletic. But um, we'll kick things off, Jim. Uh, at Bridgewater Town, the visitors were Royal Wooden Bassett. Um, but, um, well, despite the lockdown, Bridgewater's good form this season continues. Yeah, it did indeed. Yeah, they uh, survived the late scare to hold off, as you say, they played Royal Wood and Bassett. Uh, they won 2 1. It was in either half from Tom Ellis and Mark Duffy, put Bridgewater in the pole position uh, to to progress to round three. But the visitors did have a nervy finish after scoring from the spot with uh, just over 15 minutes to go. And a late, a late Simbin scuppered uh, Wood and Bassett's chances, uh, allowing Bridgewater to hold on and. Uh, Secure their spot into uh, into round three. If you're thinking Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest, and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Tool Station. With over 300 branches, there's always a tool station near you. Excellent. And we'll be bringing you the uh, the ties that sides of security in round three um, uh, later in the podcast. But we turn our attention now to one of the great palaces of football in the tool station Western League. Of course, it is the, the brilliantly named Theatre of Cheese. Cheddar were taking on high-flying Ashton and Backwell United. And again, another very close game here, Jim. Yeah, it was, yeah. 2-1 win for Cheddar. You come back from being 1-0 down at half-time. Ashton Backwell took the lead through a penalty, with Callum Towns then converting from the from the spot in the early stages of the match. Uh, but it was uh, the Cheeseman who claimed a spot in the next round, with goals in the opening 10 minutes of the second half, coming from Steve Holland and Robbie Maggs, who helped them complete the turnaround for, a, as you say, a close 2-1 win. But a welcome one, nonetheless, of course, for um, for Cheddar. I mean, I feel a little bit for Ashton Backwell United because, of course, they, their fans wouldn't have been able to travel um, to that match. They are one of the sides, one of our sides that's in Tier Three. Um, but um, but still, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. I always feel that, that all talks in Western League affairs in the FA Vars, I always feel a little bit sort of it's like a bit of a self-inflicted wound, isn't it? You'd rather, you know, you'd rather our sides were going out to sort of other league opposition. But um, obviously, the benefit of this all first division affair was that one of our sides would get through. It was Cheddar. So I spoke to the new Cheese Master General, Craig Morford, um, about um, about that win at the weekend. 
and I started my conversation with Craig reflecting on the fact that it was Ashton and Batwell they were coming up against. Never an easy team to play. Uh, yeah, really good performance. They were um, as difficult side as they always are. Um, it's always slightly gritty between the two sides. Um, there, there seems to be a little bit of, of tetchiness that comes into our games, even though the, I felt that it was played with very fair spirit and I felt that both sides actually sort of conducting themselves very well. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a really good win. We've had some, since the sort of two games have taken it over, it's been really pleasing. Um, and it's been something that the boys have really prided themselves on in terms of their attitude and their commitment. And they've really ground out results, whereas before we, we perhaps were lacking that this season. Um, so in terms of signs sort of moving forward, it's, it's looking very positive and the, the side's definitely hit in form, which we were sort of struggling with before. I mean, how much harder was it for you planning for that game, that Vars game, um, really from a standing start? Because, of course, it was the first game. I mean, it was literally only a couple of days after the lockdown lifted. No, it, it definitely came into consideration and it definitely led to quite a lengthy conversation between myself and, and Mike Dangerfield, who's, who's come in as assistant. We were quite fortunate that we managed to get a very late booking on the Wednesday just to go and stretch our legs a little bit. Um, where unfortunately due to the late notice we couldn't get everyone there but we managed to get a large cohort of the squad there to go and do a little bit of training beforehand but it definitely impacted on the planning and it impacted some of possibly our normal preparation for games and some of the things that we'd like to plan for but we managed to meet slightly earlier the lads took everything on board really quickly and were very very open with how they were feeling about certain aspects which, which made everything very easy um, as perhaps an advantage of sort of being in the fold beforehand to know how the team works and how people react to, to certain situations and again the character they, they showed at the time and the, the general attitude that they performed with is it's been a real credit to them and, and hopefully bringing in some pride back into the club as well Well you've got a, a very interesting tie in the next round it's Tavistock mm-hmm. I mean they really don't get much harder than that do they? No I mean when the draw came out and we saw that one that nice uh, long away trip for us down to Tavistock it, we looked it out and thought that it would be a really challenging fixture it's going to be a, a long journey to go down to and, and they're a very good side so we've just got to go and, and see what we can do I mean the, the pressure will be on them rather than ourselves I believe as it, as it should be because their results are speaking for themselves and they're showing they're a real quality outfit but we, we've come into the last two games realistically as underdogs and, and we performed well so we'll just go and see what we can do again um, and really like to get some enjoyment back into the occasion and just trying to make sure that we can make the most of whatever chances we do get and really let's keep pushing on and pushing forward. So for me, it's really important that our results and our commitment that we've shown continue because no matter what the result is on Saturday, it's, it's about kicking forward for the rest of the season. A lot of people refer to these games as sort of one-offs, but for me personally, they're not. They're things that dictate how we're going to approach games, the attitude that we have and also how we need to continue to move forward. Because we feel quite fortunate, to be honest, that we're still in the position where we're actually able to play football um, and maybe in a bit more advantageous position than other clubs in our league because they're not participating in the Vars. So maybe when the season starts up again in terms of the league, that there might be a little bit of restiness there that maybe we might be able to sort of make the most of, really. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. I mean, I know it's not been the best of starts for you this season, but to be fair, we've had managers come on the podcast regularly talking about the fact that, you know, any one of 15 teams could realistically have a challenge on the top four places this season. I mean, do you think perhaps your start to the season proves just how strong the first division is? It's, it's been, as you said, it's just been showing that everyone can be, anyone can be anyone in our league. 
and our start there. I'd say that our start has been it's definitely been a lot a lot worse a lot worse than we would have liked to and it's not been the, the start that we would have liked and losing Sean for for us all was was a blow. But we now need to we need to regather ourselves a little bit, we need to compose ourselves, which we've started to do. Started to make some signings that, that we needed in order to boost our squad and really look to see where we can go next. But I'd agree hundred percent there's there's teams that are sitting probably tenth, eleventh, eighth. You know, we would consider ourselves in with a chance. We know we've we've given ourselves a lot of work to do, but we're not gonna stop working towards that. And it really indicates that we would we would like promotion, but it's a really open league this year really open league and there's a lot of very good sides in our league it's all going to come down to probably January being a really big month for the amount of games that are put in and how how big people's squads are how much depth that they've got in order to try and get results I, I can't see any team in this league being able to name the same 11 to 9 games on the on the trot in that short space of time in January I think it's a challenge for all the managers across all the teams in the league well, we'll certainly look ahead to January in a minute, but we're going to look back over the last month or so, if that's all right. I mean, when we went into lockdown two, how did you feel? Did you did you think that there was a genuine risk that we wouldn't be playing again this season? Absolutely. I mean, looking at the previous year and how that ended and then coming back to look at this, I think that's the biggest thing that everyone's probably been feeling across all the teams in the league is just that massive sense of uncertainty. The only thing that it's really allowed us to do, and I think probably given the players a little bit of focus on, is the opportunity to really focus on how much football means to us and how much we want to play and how much that it, it gives us an, an escape, really, from the day-to-day. Particularly at this time as well, when everything's so difficult with people's work lives and, and home lives and the balance between everything else that's going on, all the concerns that people have. It, it's really important that we are actually able to do these things. And the concern was definitely there and when we started that, perhaps this was going to be it again for another season, which would have been absolutely devastating, really, for all involved. Uh, well, the good news, then, is that the league is set to come back on the 19th. I mean, how optimistic does that make you feel? Do you think we can get this season completed on the pitch? I really hope so. I, I genuinely really hope so. And I mean, it's up to all of us in terms of our responsibilities to make sure that we are sort of approaching every game appropriately, that we're taking the, the necessary cautions, precautions, I should say, when we're when we're going to games, travelling to games and adhering to the rules when we're there in the, in the change rooms, which sometimes can be really difficult, not, especially when you're trying to get tactical points across. So it's important that we do that in the right way. Um, but I think everyone is, is absolutely desperate for the league to continue. And I think everyone's desperate to make sure that we manage to see the season out. Um, so I, I, I'm going to remain optimistic and I'm going to really hope that we do continue and that the season can play out in, a, in an appropriate way and we manage to get all of our fixtures in. I mean, and if it came down to a points per game finish, how, how would how would that make you feel? Considering our last experience of a points per game finish, we'd be quite we'd be quite gutted on that. To be honest, yeah. um, we, to be honest, that season where Kingston won it and rightly won it, because they they finished the season really strongly, where we sort of fell away. That that points per game probably had a bit of an impact on the following season for us in terms of sort of finishing and. And then coming back and starting again in a position where any other season we, we would have also gone up. So I think that probably knocked the players a little bit. Um, so I, I would be all for trying to avoid a point per game, if I'm totally honest with you. Yes, I would have thought that you were the, the one side in the Western League that has that really appalling um, experience of, of that really, of what can be, of course, a really cruel mechanism. 
um, to finish the game, and we we, sh we forget that. I mean, obviously you've taken on the role of manager now. I mean, what are your ambitions for this Cheddar side? I generally do believe that there's a lot of ability in the side, and I do. I, I generally believe that the players that are there have the capability to get to go and play a higher level, whether that's one league or maybe even a few of them even looking to push on that a little bit more. But my ambition would be that they would be able to do that with Cheddar. Um, we, we're not naive enough to know that our starts limited what we can do this year. Um, but there's still a lot of games left. And as we mentioned earlier, everyone's beating everyone. So we've still got a really good opportunity that we can push on. Um, we're going to do the old cliche, cliche term, I should say, where we just take one game as it comes and try and approach every game in the right manner. But the ideal for me would be that we look for promotion this year uh, and then take it from there. Would I, would I like to see the boys go higher and the team go higher? Absolutely. And would I like to do it at a higher level? I think I would. But I'm, I'm talking after being an assistant for two years and managing a side for, for two games. So perhaps I'm full of the naivety that, that believes that everything's going to move forward. But I do believe in the lads that we have here and I do think that we can push on and um, so it's, it's um, ambition is basically up to us in terms of where we go if we keep doing the things that we're doing at the moment then we give ourselves a really good chance Now this is the first time we've spoken on the podcast Craig so for those listeners who perhaps aren't familiar with you can you tell us a bit about your footballing journey to the Theatre of Cheese Well what, what a dream it is to be finishing at the Theatre of Cheese that's all I say um, we I've, I've played a Standard around football, sort of around the local southwest area for a little while. Um, as a younger, as a younger player, when I was sort of sixteen, I signed uh, for first team contracts for Western. Um, I was in and around the peripheries. I didn't really make a. I'm sure a number of people have the same experience, where they don't quite almost make the standard of it. Um, I went to university when I was at Western, which probably had a bit of an impact as well, because I wasn't overly fit. Let's say when university kicked in in the evenings of two nights a week out having a, a social gathering perhaps inhibited that ever so slightly but after that I, I was at Bridgewater Taunton um, Wellington when they won the, the Division 1 which is the league that Cheddar are in um, went to street for a couple of years was at Manor Farm and then had a brief, start, brief spell at Chard before finishing up at, at Cheddar um, so it'd probably be fair to say I've been around a few clubs a little bit I know that was a bit of a joke when I first joined Cheddar they used to say that I was a little bit of a journeyman um, but for me I was really fortunate to get to Cheddar when I did because I was in a position whereby actually football wasn't that enjoyable um, and it was something that I was doing probably out of a force of habit so to then go to Cheddar and find somewhere that you really enjoyed and have the opportunity to stay there for playing career wise as long as I did was 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 brilliant um, and it's something that obviously I've become very attached to to continue to do the role that I'm doing now I initially had plans maybe to go back and play again but I think that, that might be easy for me at the moment just because of my I've had to have a knee operation which hasn't really allowed me to get back to it so very fortunate to be in a position where I can still be involved with the club and still be involved in football and hopefully look to just sort of kick on the next phase of, of my career in, in, in this aspect with a, with a club that I feel very strongly about and my thanks to Craig for his time. Now then, um, moving on to an all-premier division affair. Um, Clevedon Town, high-flying Cleveland, FA Vosialists. In this competition, I was going to say last season, because they played semi-final this season, um, went very, very deep, only seconds away from, from Wembley um, in, uh, in last season's competition. But um, their progress 
in uh, in this season's competition, Jim, halted a little bit more closely to home. Yeah, it was. Yeah, unfortunately, the game was behind closed doors because uh, Clevedon aren't allowed uh, fans in. Um, but yeah, finished uh, 4-3 to Clevedon. Uh, Clevedon showed absolutely no signs of any lockdown rust, uh, scoring after just eight minutes through Elliot Nicholson. The visitors soon found their feet, though, and got level just before the interval when Dean Griffiths slammed the ball home following a smart knockdown from his uh, strike partner, Asa Corrick. Uh, Griffiths hit the double early in the second half, slotting home a penalty um, after Jack, Jack Alwoods had been failed in the box. But Clevedon weren't behind for too long uh, because a, a Mitch Osmond drew them level. Uh, but the game really come to life with about 10 minutes in the final 10 minutes, sorry. Uh, with Clevedon looking like certain victors when substitute Liam Dempsey finished off a counter-attack to put them 3-2 in front, but Bitten responded instantly, uh, with Brandon Barnes scoring uh, their third goal of the afternoon. There was still time for a winner, believe it or not, and that fell for uh, Jay Murray, who um, who scored with five minutes left on the clock, and uh, yeah, they've uh, booked their place into the uh, next round of the Vars. Yeah, Bitten never an easy side to play against, but Clevedon Town going well, of course, just before lockdown. Look like they've picked up just where they've they've left off. So you know, so congratulations to them. Uh, we'll move um, to a uh, uh, to the next tie we're going to cover now, which is an old Southwest Peninsula League match here. Um, Plymouth Parkway, of course, the all-conquering Plymouth Parkway. Now members of our tool station Western League, um, Newton Abbott Spurs. And um, well, the Spurs not not going quite as well as their namesakes in professional football. No, Spurs are flying in the Premier League, aren't they? Yeah, they certainly um, are. Yeah, Parkway picked up where they left off prior to the pause in action, coming from behind to beat uh, Newton Abbott Spurs three-one. Uh, despite the best efforts of keeper Carl Moore, Parkway trialled it at the interval uh, when Jake Chisholm finally managed to beat him just after the half-hour mark. Uh, but Moore's earlier saves proved crucial after the break. Uh, when with Parkway storming to a victory, thanks mainly to their substitute Matt Wright after being subbed on at, after just 34 minutes. Uh, Wright struck twice to help maintain the host unbeaten start with forward Ryan Richards picking up where he left off to continue his uh, prolific start of the season in front of goal. And finally, uh, our coverage this week will conclude when the first division met the premier division in the tool station western league well city with a with a host buckland athletic with the visitors normally we'd have expected this game to go with the form guide of course because um well not least because buckland are such a strong side in our first division but wells didn't make it easy for them did they jim they didn't it was another uh, close game uh, all western western league clash as you said earlier it's a bit unfortunate that they draw each other but Buckland ran out uh, 2-1 winners in a close game uh, with goals coming from Danny Gaze and Ben Carter and Wales scoring late on, but Buckland held on to prevail over them. Well, that was um, a perfect opportunity for me to get back in touch with Paul Froud. We spoke to him just before lockdown um, on last season's podcast, so it was a welcome opportunity to uh, to get him on this season's podcast. Buckland's form has been very interesting. Um, plenty of highs and lows in many respects this season, but um, obviously the bigger challenge at the moment for all of us is how we're managing with the uh, with the coronavirus restrictions. So I started by asking Paul how much harder Saturday's game was, given that given that he literally had no preparation time. Yeah, I mean it was tough. We only had a the one training session. Uh, on the Wednesday uh, leading up to it 
think the guys all, uh, well, I know the lads all sort of kept their fitness, kept their fitness up during the downtime. But um, I think, it's, but it's obviously the same for both teams. I think you could see that during the game, there was a little bit of rustiness, and um, it wasn't quite a game for the purest. But um, we kind of did what we did, what, what we had to do to uh, to get through. But um, yeah, no, def- definitely, it definitely wasn't it wasn't ideal. But same for both teams. So. I mean, Wells are a very strong side in the first division. How how tough did they make it for you on the day? No, they made it really tough. Uh, they're, you know, they're a very good team with some very good players going forward. So, yeah, no, it, it was a difficult game for us for a number of reasons. Um, the pitch kind of cut up and was a, a little bit of a leveller. Uh, we kind of felt we had to get the ball quickly and get the ball forward quickly and play in their half as much as we could. But yeah, no, we were we were wary of their threat. But I, I had some knowledge of them from going there the year before with Newton Abbott Spurs, so um, I kind of knew what to expect. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, they're they're a, they're a strong side. So it's Tavistock or Cheddar in the next round. I suppose the best news of all, though, is that you are at home as Heath. I mean, does the fact that you are at home sort of raise the importance of this year's Vars competition in terms of your targets for this season? It's good to be at home for for the club and for for our supporters. Um, to be honest, we probably we we've we've been quite good on the road. To be honest, and picked up a, a lot of victories away from home. But um, I don't think it really matters. Uh, form kind of goes out the window. Home advantage, I don't really think is is of huge relevance um, at this stage. So, but no, it, it's nice for our supporters that uh, they'll be able to go along to homers and watch a game like that. So you're seventh at the moment in the Premier Division. I mean, I would say it's not been a bad start to the season. How do you feel about it? Uh, we, we, we're generally satisfied. Uh, could have been, it could have been better. Uh, we've lost two or three, too many uh, for, for our liking. Um, yeah, so it's satisfactory. It could have been better. I mean, obviously, we've, we, we've got our own sort of targets of, of hoping to achieve a top six finish. Yeah, well, obviously we started really well. The first sort of four, five, six games, we were up and around the top two, um, and then we lost, I think, three on the bounce, which kind of set us back a little bit. But we we kind of stopped that with a with a win at, away at Street. Yeah, satisfactory. Um, yeah, could have been a little bit, could have been a bit better if if I'm all if, in all honesty. Well, the the last time we spoke, it was towards the end of last season. And, of course, um, we look back on that yeah. now and the decision to void that, that season. I mean, how did you feel about that decision at the time? Uh, I thought it was a logical decision. Um, obviously, everything going on, which is, uh, I'm sure, everyone is, is sick to death of talking about it. But <laughs> I think it was a logical decision at the time. It's, uh, there's more important things than football. But, um, yeah, I can understand why they made the decision. I mean, when we went into lockdown two, um, were you worried that the same thing was going to happen again? Yeah, yeah, I was, to be honest. Um, I think everyone's doing all they can to, to keep going and, uh, and to get keep things moving. I know our lads are desperate, absolutely desperate, to, to be back out there training. They're all chomping at the bit. But yeah, no, there's a bit of uncertainty still surrounding everything at the moment. But um, it looks as if there's a... There's a, there's a common goal to try and get everything played and everything back up and running, so we just have to wait and see, I guess. 
Well, that decision came um, on the the seventh of December that uh, the, the Western League were going to resume fixtures on December the nineteenth. So, you know, given what you've said about the hope for finishing this season, do you welcome that news? Definitely, hundred um, percent. Yeah, we've obviously got the next round of the Vars on the nineteenth. Um, but it, no, it's great. Uh, uh, the lads are, are excited at the thought that the league will, will resume, and you know we'll have a good run of games through January, February, and March. So yeah, just fingers crossed that um, this thing sort of stays under control, and and we can all sort of see some light at the end of the tunnel. I think is all that everyone wants, as far as I understand. I mean, it is a complicated situation, isn't it, the resumption of the league? Because we've obviously got so many teams in, in Tier 3. Obviously, you're one of the teams that's lucky to be in, in, in Tier 2. But, I mean, I, 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 one of the f- phrases I use quite a lot on the, the podcast is the football family. It's a very important thing to me. So it is still a time, isn't it, for, for solidarity with those clubs and those players and those managers who really can't see a way back to playing, particularly without fans or without clubhouses. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you say, we are we're we're lucky in tier two that you know we can have a number of people come and watch. Believe the refreshments are available via the the tea hut, although I guess there's still a little bit of a grey area surrounding that. But um, yeah, we're 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 luckier than, than some of the clubs in Bristol. Um, so yeah, we sympathise with them. But yeah, I guess all you can hope for is is that the numbers come down the tier system gets reviewed and uh, you know we can all we can all start playing each other as we would have normally I guess that's all we can hope for uh, earlier in the interview Paul you um you mentioned you know I could tell from the from the tone of your voice that you were I wouldn't go as far as to say perhaps disappointed but you'd certainly wanted your side to you know to pick up a few more points um, at the start of, of, of this season. I mean, when you look at the reality of what we've been facing, we've had you know a couple of months where the fixtures have been coming thick and fast, and then all of a sudden we've got the stop-start nature of lockdowns, you know, and there are plenty of sides that have had to pull out of fixtures because of, because of COVID concerns. I mean, when you look back on your footballing career, particularly as a, as a manager, I mean, has this season presented you with very different problems that, that you know, that, that, that really have, been, have, have stretched you? Yeah, 100%. Um, but, yeah, I'm not going to sort of say it hasn't been the same for others, but um, we have played a number of games more than the other teams in our league. Um, so it was a very kind of intense period, uh, particularly when you factor in the teams we have played we've played Tavistock twice Parkway twice Bridgewater twice um, you know and then we followed that up with some regular sort of Tuesday nights up in Bristol so uh, we've had a number of away games we've been to Bristol quite a lot quite a lot uh, midweek the games have been Saturday, Tuesday Saturday, Tuesday Saturday, Tuesday and then it all came to a grinding halt so um I think, like everyone else, we're just dealing it, dealing with it on a on a week to week basis. But yeah, to, certainly, it's difficult to get in any kind of rhythm without being able to plan ahead. I think most managers in this league or any league will tell you the same thing, really. And my thanks to Paul for his time. Now then, Jim, just before we call it a day on uh, on this week's podcast, I don't I don't think we'll um, we'll get too excited about 
what fixtures are lined up for December the 19th in the league. But the FA Vars draw has been made. So it's uh, it's come around pretty quickly for a, a couple of our sides, Jim, because the, the next matches in the Vars take place on Saturday the 12th of December. Yes, we have. Yeah, you know, um, Cribs travelled down to play Christchurch after their game was called off uh, last weekend and also uh, Tavistock entertained Cheddar uh, in their second round clash. And what about our other teams? How did they fare? Um, I think the next games are scheduled to be played on the 19th of December, aren't they? That's right, yeah, the third round. So uh, Bridgewater have been drawn away at Brinscombe and Thrupp, who uh, overcome Bradford Town on Saturday. Uh, Parkway have got an interesting one. They're, uh, they've been drawn at home to face either Helston Athletic or Fairham Town. Buckland uh, will entertain either Tavistock or Cheddar, as we just said, who play this Saturday. Uh, and Clevedon uh, have been drawn at home against New Milton Town or Long Levens. And then finally, we've got uh, Christchurch or Cribs. Hopefully, Cribs will uh, overcome Christchurch. Uh, have been drawn at home against either Falmouth or Bishop's Cleve. Right, well, if they get Falmouth, that would be one hell of a trip um, up to up to, up to to Cribs, of course, um, but um, which could be useful. Anyway, excellent stuff. Excellent stuff, Jim. Just before we sign off, um, obviously the social media continues even while the football hiatus has, um, um, has been in place. And, I mean, obviously you were back to normal business of putting up the scores and all the rest of it and the, and the fixtures at, at the weekend. But I see that the think of a fan campaign is still, is still um, really in force. So, um, um, you know, if anybody's listening out there, what's your message to those clubs that haven't been covered yet? Get in touch with us, please. Uh, we've had a few come in uh, since we spoke last time on the podcast, uh, but it would be nice to get someone from every club really to, uh, to feature uh, we did Gavin down at Plymouth Parkway. His one went down really well because uh, I even had messages from a couple of uh, national journalists and uh, magazines saying that's a great feature that you guys are doing down there. Uh, well done. So yeah, any clubs that we haven't featured, uh, if you if you think of a fan, let that fan know and uh, put them in touch with us or get the, get a quote from them. We'd love to feature them. Excellent stuff. Now. Um... We've been reviewing Tom's excellent bulletin um, that's um, that's live on the uh, on the Western League website um, as we speak. Um, Tom will be coming out of mothballs hopefully when we get back to playing on the nineteenth. Um, but um, I very much enjoyed your company, Jim, um, whilst you've been deputising for him. If any of the listeners um, haven't seen Tom's bulletin, um, or indeed um, your your rejuvenated Western League website, where where, where can they find that? Uh, it's on the, as you see there, on the new website or newish website, uh, toolstationleague.com. Uh, the bulletin is uploaded on there. Uh, when we're back in full flow, it'll be up there either on a Saturday evening or a Sunday morning. Uh, yeah, we tried to get get it up there ASAP with all the details that's uh, written wonderfully by Tom. Excellent stuff. Jim, thank you very much for your time and thank you, listeners, for listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast. <laughs>